Hi, and welcome to Life, Death, and the Space Between podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Robbins, and I'm a licensed clinical psychologist in medium. On this podcast, we explore life, death, consciousness, and what it all means. Today, we have a story from one of our listeners, Karen. This is a ghost story about her mom's connection to her, even after she passed. In 1970, when my mom was 38, I was 11. She was diagnosed with breast cancer. She had a radical mastectomy of her left breast. Breast cancer in 1970 wasn't really talked about the way things are today. They didn't do reconstruction surgery the way they do today. It was very traumatizing for a woman back then. This was before Betty Ford had breast cancer and brought it to the forefront, encouraging women to talk about it. Anyway, my mother and I were very, very close. She grew up very poor on the Lower East Side of New York. Her father was an immigrant and didn't speak English. She spoke Yiddish until she was old enough to go to school where she learned English. Her mother died when she was just four years old. Needless to say, she had a difficult life. But in spite of it all, or maybe because of it, she was an amazing mother to my older brother and me. She always wanted a daughter so she could have what she never had and longed for, a close, loving relationship with her mother. My mom never shielded me from the fact that she had breast cancer, even at the age of 11, She told me exactly what happened, showed me her chest where her breast was removed, and reassured me that despite what she was going through, she was not going to die. She would be okay. She didn't want me to be afraid, so she was very open about what was happening. She was strong on the outside, but scared to death on the inside, naturally. She told me an interesting story years later when I was a teenager. She was in the hospital after the surgery, and she had a dream. When she woke up, she was crying and very upset. My dad, who never left her side, was in the room, and she was so upset that she told him to please ask our rabbi if he would come see her in the hospital. She wanted to ask him something. The rabbi came, and she explained that she had had a dream. She dreamt that her father was on a bus and the bus was leaving. She started running to catch the bus and he was leaning out, telling her, no, Ruthie, go back. It's not time yet. It's not time for you to come with me. She said it was so realistic that it scared her. The rabbi told her that it was okay. He said when someone goes through a traumatic, life-threatening event, their relatives who have passed on gather around to protect or help them. She told me that she had asked God to please let her be around to raise her children. Fast forward years, during which she saw my brother and I graduate high school, college, and my brother from law school. Both of us married and have children, three boys for me, one boy for my brother. She was an amazing grandmother and loved her grandchildren fiercely. My oldest son was born with Down syndrome and had many health issues. She was with me every step of the way, supporting, loving, and always so positive. Then, in 1993, she was diagnosed with leukemia. 
The doctors said it was treatable, but not curable. Some people lived a long time with it, getting treatments when frequent blood work indicated it. We were all devastated, but went with the fact that although she couldn't be cured, she would fight and carry on. She did just that, never letting us know how poorly she felt after chemo. She only lived for seven years. In 2000, we were planning a huge surprise party for her 70th birthday, which would have been December 13th. In late November, she went to the hospital because she was having extreme pain in her back. They saw a spot on her spine. They decided to see if they could remove the tumor, but when they opened her up, there was cancer everywhere. So they brought her back to her room and talked about hospice care. My mother would have never wanted to put her family through the pain of watching her die. She was an active, vibrant woman, and deteriorating and not being able to live on her terms would not be something she would want. I stayed by her side in the hospital, sending my dad home for rest and sleep in a cot by her bed, sometimes crawling into bed with her. We talked and laughed and spent every minute telling each other how much we loved each other. After a week, she told me to go home. I lived in San Jose, she and my father in San Diego, and it was my middle son's 11th birthday party that had been planned before this happened. I didn't want to leave, but she insisted the plan was for me to come back right after the party. As her pain increased, they gave her more and more morphine, and she was pretty out of it and incoherent. The evening I was flying back to San Diego, my dad held the phone up to her ear, and I told her I was coming and would be there soon. My brother and dad were by her side the entire day. When it was time for my brother to leave for the airport to get me, he told my mom, I'm going to get Karen to bring her back to you. I'll be back soon. My brother picked me up, and we immediately went to the hospital. As we were walking from the parking lot into the hospital, we saw the rabbi, and he told us, Ruth had just passed. I was crushed that I hadn't been able to see her and tell her one more time what an amazing woman and mother she had been and how much I loved her. I did get a chance to see her body and kiss her cheek in the room before they took her away. I know that she waited until my brother left and she was alone with my dad to go. She would have never wanted us to be here at the exact time to see that. So she waited and she knew that she would leave before we came back from the airport. That was December 2nd, 2000. She was 69 years young, 11 days before her 70th birthday. It has been almost 20 years since my mom passed away, but I still vividly remember what happened immediately after I returned home from her funeral. I checked my answering machine, back when we still had answering machines, for any messages. There was one message that was clear, although there was static background noise. A voice I didn't recognize, but it was an older woman's voice, said, Hi, Karen. And then there was some garbled information that I couldn't quite understand. From Sedona. Just wanted to tell you I'm fine. I hope you're okay. Then made some statements that I'm having some trouble recalling as this was almost 20 years ago. I began shaking and sobbing and had my fiancé, at the time, now my husband, listen to it as well. A few facts about how I knew this was not a wrong number. 
She addressed me by name. My phone number was unlisted. She mentioned Sedona, and a couple years before my mom died, my parents went on a trip to all the national parks out west. My mother always talked about how much she loved Sedona, how beautiful it was, and how it was her favorite part of the trip. However, something else happened related to this call that I believe was connected to the message that my mom was okay. At the time of her passing, I was working in a bakery. There was a small office in the back of the cafe where a bookkeeper, Liz, had her office. I didn't know her well. I had only been working at this location for a short while, but she was always friendly and we made small talk. Her office had a lot of crystals and spiritual sayings. If you looked at Liz, you could tell she was kind of a hippie, very earthy. After I had the experience with the answering machine, I couldn't stop thinking about it and wondering what it meant. I hadn't told anyone about the message except for my fiancé. I played it for him so he could hear it as well. For some reason, I felt like it was safe to talk to Liz about what she thought. So I went into her office and explained everything to her. She told me that it was my mother making sure I was all right and letting me know she was okay. Liz told me she had had a sister who passed away and gave me some examples of her own experiences. I felt so happy to hear this validation and went home. But here's the strange part. The next day I went to work and I walked by Liz's office to say good morning. Her office was completely cleared out of her belongings and she was gone. When I asked my, co- my co-workers where she was, they said she left. No notice, nothing, just gone. Almost as if she had never been there. I feel that she was meant to validate the messages for me. And once she knew I got it and understood, she could leave. It was the strangest thing. Liz was a real person. She had worked there even before I had worked there. And now she was gone. My mother was the first person that I was close and connected to that passed away. I have had numerous visitations, dreams, and signs, because once I knew that this was possible and true, my world opened up. After my dad passed six years ago, I have also had many experiences and messages from him. It was much easier to receive the messages from him because I wasn't blocked, I knew that what I was experiencing was real. All of these experiences leave me no doubt that there is more beyond this life. Thank you, Karen, so much for sharing your story with me today. And if anybody else out there has a ghost story they want to share, just type it up and email it to me at Dr. Amy Robbins. Give me some background details about your relationship with the person, some of the experiences you might have had since they've passed, and I will make it into a story and share it with all of you on this show so we can all share that how while our loved ones might not still be with us in a physical body, they are always with us. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Curious about what comes next and what it all means? You can subscribe on iTunes. Just go to podcasts and find life, death, and the space between and hit subscribe. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Amy Robbins. Ask me any questions you might have. Let me know what else you'd love to hear about or just share your story. I can't wait to hear from you.